really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby. I am your host, David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter at of Scrum. I'm on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast, and you can always just drop me an email at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. So as you have no doubt noticed, this is not your usual weekly show, but it is in fact Yet another bonus episode, and this time I'm absolutely thrilled to announce a brand new guest, someone I've been listening to for quite some time now, the man I consider to be the voice of the top 14, Mr. Robbie Knock. Robbie, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth. How the heck are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks, David. Really, really good. Happy to join you, and um, and I'm very excited to have a little uh, uh, chin wag, you know, with uh, on on this very important day, of course, um, <laughs> Independence <laughs> Day for you guys in the states. You know, it's only been about what 250 years since you separated away from us, but we we love you, you know, more than ever now. I think there's a lot of people who haven't gotten over it yet. <laughs> Uh, before we actually jump right in, That's I do okay. want to. Okay. I, I do want to take a sec to um, get a brief look back on your own, you know, sort of rugby journey. I have to assume you played at school. Um, just before we started, you mentioned you're from South Wales, so there's obviously a huge, you know, rugby roots there. Um, what led you to where you are today, a leading voice in top tier rugby? Um, well, first of all, thank you, David. It's um, uh, quite a nice uh, uh, way to describe me, and I appreciate it. But, um, well, I, I mean, growing up in, in South Wales, we play rugby. Um, it's in our DNA. We love it. We go to rugby matches. We 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 can we can we can travel basically half a mile, and there's a rugby stadium. You know, and there's a pitch where we can either play or we can watch a game that's playing. So, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's it, it's everywhere. So, um, I was lucky enough to to be working for a TV channel. Uh, which was Eurosport back in 2009. And they all of a sudden said, we're going to be commentating the top 14, the top cattles. So, I mean, you know, I, and they said, we'd like you to do it. And I was like, that sounds fantastic. So I started off doing a couple of matches each weekend. And um, and I've I've covered every single final since then and, and done, you know, nearly 30, 40 games per season, you know, ever since. So I'm I'm very happy, very privileged, um, wonderfully uh, appreciative of, you know, being called the voice of top 14. So, I mean, you know, it's um, it's, it's, it's great to hear. Thank you. Well, um, you strike me as someone who travels quite a lot. Um, you mentioned growing up in South Wales, then moving to Paris, obviously just just recently you were in Paris for that final. Um, you told me that you might be en route to Brittany today. And while I was doing my typical sort of half-assed job looking you up before we started talking, I, I noticed that a while back you were living in Kigali in Rwanda. Robbie, are, are you a modern day nomad? Um, well, I, I mean, you know, um... I know that there is uh, the 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 auditions are still going on for James Bond at the moment. So I mean, you know, we'll see where I, how I can get on with that. Um, <laughs> now, but seriously, I um, I've got the travel bug since I was very young. In fact, um, I was I was in Montana 
uh, when I was 18, monitoring grizzly bears. Can you imagine that? So I mean, really? yeah, that was my first big, you know, um, yeah, move, uh, move aboard. Yeah, um, in Missoula. How did that happen? And I haven't, I haven't stopped. Watching grizzly bears? Not monitoring grizzly bears, but I haven't stopped moving. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How did you end up falling into that? Oh, that was, um, I mean, that that's a bit of a side story. It's not very rugby related, but I was um, working, uh, just doing some some part-time work in a shop. And I there was a wildlife photographer, a very famous one, who I was very much into wildlife at the time. And and and, and because I grew up in the White Valley, which is just, uh, you know, a, a place of special scientific interest, very wild and beautiful. And, 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 and I was like looking for something to do with that summer. So I said, what's going on? You know, do you know anything that's going on? Any, any contacts or anybody? And, and, and he said, yeah, well, I mean, there's a few options. You can, um, I can set up uh, a, a summer, um, a, a, a summer trip for you where you actually do voluntary work monitoring door mice in Ohio. Um, you can go down to Oklahoma and, and, and work with, you know, monitor scorpions or grizzly bears in Montana. I said, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the plane already, mate. I know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wonder who ended up with the mice job and the scorpion job. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not interested in that. I know I got the bears anyway. That's much more interesting, much more dangerous. <laughs> that's incredible. Wow. That is not one I would have plucked out of the air. That's for sure. No, it, uh, it's not one that I've really talked about very often. So uh, <laughs> there you go. So uh, before we started, I mentioned this was the first year that here in the U.S. fans like myself could actually watch the top 14 without using a sketchy VPN or just kind of looking things up on YouTube after the fact. It was an incredible season, a brutal season in many ways. And you, my friend, you were there for pretty much all of it. The lead voice on comms throughout the very long year. Um, we'll get into some specifics, but you know, long view, sort of broad view. What did you think of this season of the top 14? Was it was it good? Was it bad? Was it was it typical? Was it a combination of those things? Um, I you know the top the top 14 is always a very interesting um uh, league. It, it, I mean, it never ceases to amaze. It's full of drama. Uh, I think the rugby's become faster. Um, there's less scrum time, um, which will, you know, it doesn't go down well in some of the places like Cast or, or Dan and Brief, you know, where they still sort of, you know, uh, where the, the old boys are still moaning and groaning about the, you know, the lack of scrums that are actually happening and all the rest <laughs> of the dirty dark arts that takes place. But um, uh, if, as far as I'm concerned, it was a fantastic season. It was very, very interesting. Um, I think that what's happening with the French national team has obviously had a knock-on effect in such a big way that everybody's yeah. like going, right, okay, Okay, there's a chance here. Fabian Galtier is picking such a big, broad squad these days that there's a there's an opportunity even for players in the Pro D2 that lifts the game up. So I saw, you know, um, some extraordinary rugby played by some players who you didn't think would actually get themselves, you know, uh, noticed by Fabian Galtier and the national team. So the level improved. I um, we had an average, I think it was twenty eight thousand supporters per game wow. throughout the entire season. Two point seven million fans in stadiums. Now for us, you know, you guys you know how to do college sports and everything and you get like sort of you know the 80,000 100 that this is yeah. absolutely nuts for us i mean you know I'm, i i live in paris now i live in france and i've been living in france for a long time so i'm sort of you know i'm anchored in there and when i sort of you know to say that i work on the top capitals top 14 i'm immensely proud david because you know and and for it to come across 
you know, our little ponds that separates us, us guys, um, you know, and come to the States makes me super, super happy because, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of interest in, in rugby and it's a growing interest as well. Uh, I got so many stories that I could tell you about, like sort of, you know, connections with the US uh, that we'll talk, you know, another time. But it's it's massive. So it's been a fantastic season. I think the level of excitement has like sort of, you know, increased big time. The last three years, uh, French clubs have won European competitions, both the Challenge and the Champions Cup, basically underlining that in every different department from grassroots up, it's, it's getting massive. So a wonderful season, riveting, full of drama, the way we love it. And, and like you said, the, the crowds are unbelievable. It's really a big part of what makes it such an exciting product, too. Just, you know, there's... There's marching bands, like people dressed up. It's the, the flags. It's unbelievable. It's, it's the, I think the first week I watched, I was like, this is on my bucket list. I need to spend at least a week just going to these different stadiums in France and checking out this competition. Yeah, and 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 you'll you'll see that La Rochelle, they've. Um... You know, I think it's like 75 matches that they've, you know, um, that they've been sold out. You know, La Rochelle, Stade Rochelet, it's just absolutely insane. And um, some of these teams, you know, they're, they're rugby towns. You know, I mean, these these are towns that sort of, you know, uh, they, they were built on a rugby team, but they were built on sort of, you know, the bravado and sort of, you know, uh, basically the the grassroots of, you know, um, out their identity. So rugby was, you know basically born in those in the you know in, the, in those towns and they've just like grown and everybody everything revolves around rugby in cast for example you got a population of sixty thousand. when they made the final last season you know i mean it was great for thieves if they wanted to go down and sort of you know pick up some jewelry down in cast because there's no one there they were all in paris <laughs> i noticed you didn't mention like sort of you know it, it, it's <laughs> no, I would have got a slapped wrist by the Ligue Nationale de Rugby. So obviously I needed to avoid that. But uh, no, but I mean, you know, it basically gives you an impression and all of, all of, all of those who are listening in, um, you know, just how big rugby is and, and how big we would love to see it over in the States one day, you know, because you've got the, so much talent over on your side of the pond. It is ridiculous. So, I mean, you know, rugby could be massive over there, you know, and it is growing. And, you know, I know what you're doing and I know what, you know, there's a, the whole bunch of people who are making it happen and the networks are picking up on rugby competition i mean it's getting bigger and better yeah you can feel the momentum a little bit it's nice and in, in, in my time this is the the biggest it's been it's still very niche but you know baby steps we're getting there hmm. so one of the things i'm perhaps most curious about is really how this works when you do comps for these games um so when I watch the top 14 here, I have to use this streaming service called Flow Rugby, as I often call it, Blow Rugby, mm -hmm. because of all the issues that go along with it. Um, but they do carry a ton of the rugby I want to watch week in and week out, uh, week out. So I'm grateful for that. So if I click on one of these matches live, obviously there's, well, there's either no comms or it's in French, which makes sense. But then I wait a while and then suddenly I click on the replay and sure enough, there's English commentary in vast, the vast majority of the instances. That means it's you I'm listening to. Um, and sometimes it seems like they put you completely on your own. So just can you just explain like how this whole process works? Do they wait till the weekend's done and then they say, Robbie, get in this booth and uh, watch these seven matches in a row and commentate over all of them? How often are you there in, in person? Like uh, how does the process work to get your voice on all these different matches? Okay, so first of all, I am human, um, just to reassure you. Um, <laughs> that, I, think, <laughs> I, th I think the fact is, David, that, um, you know, I, I, I commentate 
uh, two matches per weekend. And okay. um, we have a consultant for one of the games, which is the Sunday night game. Might not be um, sometimes the, normally it's in France, it's the, you know, it's the A game. It's like sort of, you know, the top game, the Saturday night and the say, Sunday night games. The final match for Sunday, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, and I'll I'll have um, I'll have consultants come in. You know, numerous consultants who I've worked with, and um, you know, I, I can give you some news for the new one a little bit later on. A little bit of breaking news before I can, before we finish. Ooh, but nice. um, we uh, I do two games each weekend. We commentate four games out of the seven. The other three games are not commentated. They'll go out on Flow Sports um, without any commentary. Um, but four games will be commentated. So um, out of those four, one will be with a consultant. I'll be I, if I'm if I'm free and available and I'm around, then I'll be doing that game and it'll be on the Sunday night. That might change come set, um, August for the new season. We'll see about that um, once we uh, reconnect and 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 talk amongst ourselves to find out what 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 the plan is. But um, uh, and the other, so I, I only do two games, but I try and do you know the big games if possible. So are you there in person for one of them or, or are you kind of remote for all of them? So we're, we're based in Paris. Um, we will go to, uh, um, we'll do some of the games on site, but we'll predominantly do them in um, in Paris. Yeah, at the, at the Canal Plus uh, headquarters, which is obviously the channel that has the rights for the top 14. Um, and they have re-signed for the next few years as well. So hopefully so as I say, the, the, your flow sport will get that for the next few years as well. They have a ton of rugby. I, I spend my fair share of time complaining about them, but the fact is I really heavily rely on them. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. and as I mentioned, you know, uh, this was my first opportunity to actually follow the top 14 on a week to week basis. It's a crazy competition. Like you said, it's, it's just full of drama. So in my notes, I started writing, I started listing the things like, oh, it's got this and it's got this. And then I realized, why would I tell you that? You, you know better than I do. So you tell me, like, hmm. what makes the top 14 such a special competition? What makes it unique among the other top tier competitions? I, I think that, um, well, first of all, um, it's a long season. It's a very, very long season. Um, yeah. If you think about it, you've got, um, you know, you, you've got 26 rounds before we hit the playoffs semis final um and you know the the the, the promotion match as well or the so uh, you know it's it's a very long season it starts in august um you've you've got autumn test matches of course and then you've got the six nations um in between there's a, there's an opportunity for everybody i think that uh it's 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 multicultural it's fascinating the number of foreign players who turn up who are playing the the mixing of styles um there's a lot of money involved in french rugby there's a mm. lot of money for tv rights and you know when we see what happens in england and um, we get a little bit concerned about how teams are actually sort of you know being affected you know and you've got wasps and you've got worcester uh, and then you see what happens in the top 14 it's never been healthier um the the, the league national de rugby uh, they look after French rugby in a big way, right down to grassroots level. So there's money going to, you know, literally federal one, federal two. Um, that, so first of all, you, you've got um, sustainability of a league. You've got job satisfaction, uh, sorry, job um, uh, uh, securities when you're a player. It When you decide that you're actually going to be turning up and, and signing a contract for one, two years, one, you know that you're going to get pretty good money. Two, you're going to get um, a very good setup. 
and 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 three, you're going to be playing with the best players in the world. I mean, let's face mm. facts in the eye. Who hasn't turned up in France post, you know, um, international career, or or even you know pre, you know, World Cup career? Um, everybody's played, you know, from John Alomo to Dan Carter. Uh, you know, uh, we've got Colisi's turning up from South Africa. I mean, you know, it's it's so attractive. Um, it's it's well put together, the broadcast. I mean, you know, um, I really hope that you get to, you know, see all of the images that we get to see when we do the commentary. Normally it's the case, you know, if, if it goes through cleanly, then you've got a, a really fascinating, you know, a uh, uh, wonderfully visual game of rugby that's quite fast and, and quite interesting. There's so much to look at. The fans are in the stadiums. There's always lots of music, as you said, the fanfare, you know, there's always crazy fans, um, you know, and it's, it's then it, it, the rugby's good. It's getting better. It's faster. Uh, the referees are doing a better job. World rugby's getting involved. So the rules and the regulations are obviously sort of, you know, getting, getting better. And even, you know, and there's, there's a place for everybody. You know, uh, when you've got Ange Capuoso, who's like sort of, you know, I'm smaller than me, you know, and I'm from Middle Earth, you know, in terms of like sort of, you know, some of those uh, <laughs> wonderful blockbuster films that we can talk about, um, not the same size feet. I can promise you that sort of, you know, these guys can sort of, you know, um, run rings around some of the big guys. And, and I like that. I find that there's a place for everybody. But they, they do protect, you know. The French um, players with the GIF, you know, which is the number of, um, you know, uh, raised players in France who actually have to sort of tick the box before they can actually become, you know, be a French player within the percentage mm. that's allowed. Uh, so there's there's all of these aspects which are fascinating, which make a really, really good league. And the rugby is really interesting. It's, it's never the same. Every game is completely different. You can win away from home these days as well, David, which is like sort of, you know, marvellous. So it... I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's a perfect little segue. Um, that is a common trope that I was aware of even before I started watching this competition. Everyone says French teams try really hard at home and they don't care if they lose on the road. So I actually rounded up the stats from each round this year. Um, but but what do you think about that? Can you explain that phenomenon? Is is it just perceived or is that a reality? Now, the, now we've got to the point where international players are um, the pools of international players picked by Fabien Galtier um, is has been um, it's been it's been it's grown to what it's like fifty four players now I think you know that's a big pool of players so um, a lot of the players who didn't expect themselves to actually get a call up to go into the larger group for the training. Uh, ahead of autumn test matches or World Cup team or the Six Nations, you know, you can understand that that's, um, you know, now uh, turned into something that will obviously have a, a great effect on some of the other teams because their star players are not around. So you can see that sort of Toulouse, you know, are there for the taking potentially, like La Rochelle mm. um, and, and the big teams that have lots of international players who are unavailable during the periods where the, the national teams are playing. So, you know, sometimes you've got the likes of Castres or you've got the likes of like, um, you know, some of the smaller teams like Brieve, they're going sort of right, fantastic. We could potentially get a major scalp on the road in February mm. during the Six Nations because Toulouse are missing 10 players, La Rochelle are missing six, you know, or, uh, you know, and Toulon are missing seven. That, you know, that's, that's the reality. So anything's possible these days. And that's what makes it even more interesting is like an undulating sort of, you know, um, you know, roller coaster ride where you just don't really know what's going to happen, who's going to be on top where, you know, normally you do. 
But I think now we've, we've the whole league's turned into a situation where we're actually looking at some of the other teams going, what they'll say? I mean, who put Montpellier as the French, you know, top 14 winners last yeah. season? Who put Castor in the final? Um, you know, why? Yeah. And I think when you look at that, it's like sort of, you know, it makes it fascinating, right? Rassing were the ones who surprised me. They seemed really sort of un unreliable all year. And then right towards the end, they were like, you know what? We got it together. We're, we're good. Yeah. I, I think that uh, they were a little bit lucky against that Francais because, you know, um, uh, you know, just having with the with the red cards and they were getting pummeled in the scrum, but all of a sudden, sort of, you know, they managed to to survive that battle, uh, you know, between the between the city rivals. But they, they're always there. They know that they, they know that they can make the semi-finals. But you know, stepping it up, haven't done it since 2016 um, when they beat Toulon in Barcelona. Um, but you know, they, they, it's going to completely change next season. Completely change. Every team has got its own Dallas or uh, dynasty, dynasty uh, you know, saga going on. I can promise you, the wrestling is probably at the top of the table. <laughs> Well, I, I mentioned that I had bothered to crunch the numbers out of those 26 rounds. The home team went seven and oh, six different rounds, but there were four weeks when the away team won half or more. And uh, the last one of those in round 21, the road teams actually went five and two. Um, is this a new trend or is this, like you say, sort of just indicative that we're in a lead up to a World Cup? Fabian Galtier's, you know, there's a lot more players missing at different times. Is this the new normal? So I'm looking at round 21. I'm probably going back to March, I think. It must have been round about March. And um, when I look at March, um, it's, it's the end of the Six Nations, I think. So um, still players unavailable. Great opportunity for teams to actually pounce. That's a great point. Yeah, I think, I think that must have been it. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, it, it, it's funny because... The the teams they change so many players they change coaches you know I mean it's 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 absolutely nuts I mean you know um the team that keeps the same coach and the same same staff for you know for two for more than three seasons you go well, there's, there's something wrong here you know is he like sort of got you know some illicit <laughs> photographs of someone you know holding <laughs> them to black well Ronald because, you know it doesn't must have the keys to the city at this point they they must <laughs> just let him walk around yeah, and do whatever yeah. he wants. <laughs> He, he got so, them last year. So, I mean, you know, he's got nothing to worry about, you know. Exactly. Um, I am wondering, so what, what are some of your highlights this year? And what I'm looking for is sort of two things. One, what was one of your highlights as a professional when you're like, you know what? I really nailed that one this time. And then also one of your favorite moments, just as somebody who loves rugby, you know, what, was some, what were some moments that sort of took your breath away as a spectator? Um. It's a, it's a good good question. Good question. Um, I, I the final is the best final I've commentated, and and I've I've I think the rugby if if there's good rugby being played, then your commentary will be you know will just raise the bar to that level. I think that that's like sort of you know how we interpret commentary um, in the field. So this final was the best final I've commentated since 2009, since Dan Carter was actually sort of playing for Papignon. So you can understand wow. that sort of, you know, I said Papignon. <laughs> yeah, I know it's insane. Um, and that, that one season sort of, you know, contract uh, down in the Catalan region. Uh, this, this final, I've, 
we've always been going, oh yeah, it's going to be a wonderful final. It's going to be fantastic. There's going to be so much drama. The rugby is going to be sort of, you know, laced with champagne style rugby. We're going to be treated beyond belief. And then we're all walking away going, what a letdown. Uh, it was, you know, a, a kicking fest. There's like five not penalties. This time. It finished 18, 12. It's not this time. So, David, I, I need to I need to highlight the fact that this last final was, um, was I mean, it basically told me that top 14 rugby is very healthy. What a fantastic final it was. It was extraordinary. And that's my highlight. So my commentary for that game, I, you know, I'm very, very happy with. I got a lot of really positive feedback, um, you know, a couple of slip ups with, you know, with the tongue. But I mean, the excitement sort of, you know, gets in there and, you you know, and you see so many things and you're buzzing and, and you, you, the adrenaline's flowing and so much is happening. But that final was exceptional. It really was. That's my standout moment um, professionally. Um, um, in terms of the highlights for for the season, I, I just uh, it, it opened with a bang, didn't I? I think that seeing um, Bordeaux Bergle, you know, on the cusp of beating Toulouse, and then all of a sudden they lose at the end, and you've got this new guy who turns up, you know, um, Tadoshi, who who who's who's a new recruit from the Democratic Republic of Congo originally, and then played in South Africa. He's got South African um, citizenship, and you know, scoring a hat trick of tries. You know, I mean, it was just unbelievable. I think one of them was disallowed, but it doesn't matter. The fact was that sort of, you know, he was exceptional. That was a real big buzz for me, see, seeing that game um, and, and seeing just where we were going from there on. That's, you know, that's magic. Love that. I love that. Um, and it's funny because you just you just alluded to it. And I, right in my notes, it says, I can't believe I waited this long to ask. But how good was that final on a scale of 10 to 10,000? car i mean it was off the charts uh you know from the moment that we saw that it was going to be those two teams when we we're in san sebastian and we did we commentated the semi-finals down in the basque country which was just uh, extraordinary very hot very sweaty but everybody was there and everybody knew that you know it was going to be very and they very had they had those uh traditional they had those traditional choirs beforehand too to just add to the atmosphere it was beautiful absolutely um sensational and you know we're, we're, we're very privileged to you know to have experienced that because it just basically tells us a little bit about the culture and we get little tastes of the culture which enables us to sort of you know educate ourselves a little bit more and understand a little bit more and not just focus just on the rugby but just make it a bigger larger picture so that we can mm. actually you know indulge and immerse ourselves you know in 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 where we are you know what we're doing the smells all of the the senses they they, they come alive you bring that into the commentary and you you just you know you're already in a very safe place and a very happy place then off you go you know into the slipstream of commentary um they you know the the to Lose victory was was pretty straightforward. It's true. Um, they the Racing were were you know were not they they'd already played their their whole league you know season by getting into the mm. semifinals, uh, and then La Rochelle just uh, you know doing doing enough to to deal with UBB. When those two teams were named, when they came through, and we knew it was going to be the fight. I think that it was at that point that we said, okay, all right, they played each other quite a few times recently. You know whether it's whether it's Europe whether it's that that first victory in seven when they actually just beat them just uh, after Christmas or just before Christmas, I think. Um, and it was the first win in seven confrontations for La Rochelle, which enabled yeah. them to sort of you know, say, right, we can beat Toulouse. 
it was always destined to be something miraculously amazing with all of the components to kick up a beautiful wonderful day of rugby and it's exactly what it was full of champagne rugby drama galore well i i can confirm as one of the people watching your commentary was absolutely top drawer that day like the energy you, you could just tell you and johnny Beatty before the before the game even started there was a buzz about both of you and i don't know that your energy was through the roof it it, it was a phenomenal game to listen to and watch and like you say i think immerse yourself in it is the perfect way to put it it felt like you know way over here i felt like i was right there sitting in the stands it was incredible oh that's um that's wonderful to hear david and uh thank you because you know that's exactly where we want to be you know as um as a broadcaster as a commentator we just want all of you guys to be literally sat next to us watching the same game and you know and and buzzing in the same way so if you felt like that then obviously you know we're doing something right you know we've probably got to raise the bar even more but i mean you know there's always things that you can improve on so do you ever struggle with bias as in your role as a professional? Do you find yourself sort of starting to root for a player or a team when you know you have to be impartial, especially when it gets, you know, when the energy levels are like they are in that final? Did you find yourself really hoping for one team or are you able to compartmentalize that? Oh, I, I need to, uh, I, I try and remain as professional as I can. I think that that's the most important, you know, uh, element that enables us to keep working and doing what we do. I think, you know, just being impartial and, 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 and just standing aside from, you know, what we're feeling emotionally. I think that the emotions are basically, um, that they're, they're taken down, you know, the right path to the right place without us getting derailed. And I, I you know, we can't, we can't go freestyle, you know, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't enable us to sort of, you know, um, reach out to the right people and we're going, you know, everywhere and, you know, we can't go down that path. I don't find it a natural way to do it. And I just feel as though I'm, I'm experienced enough not to, you know, um, not to get sidelined. <laughs> I've heard people do it. And I know so many people who've done it and, you know, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's just a little, you know, it's, it's, it's a natural way of, you know, it's a natural reaction. It's a human reaction sometimes. I've I've managed to avoid that, but I haven't commentated the Welsh national team just yet. So um, there you go. This might be a tough year to do that. <laughs> well, it depends on how we get on. <laughs> Good pictures from training camp so far, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. for That's you, two. That's two. in the top 14, did the best team win this year? No. No, La Rochelle really should have been the team who uh, who 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 deserved it. I mean, you know, come on, let's face facts in the eye. I mean, you know, even Hugo Mola, he said afterwards, he said sort of, you know, look, it was a little bit of a braquage, you know, it's like sort of, you know, it's a day, bit of daylight robbery that took place there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but, and then, and then uh, it was it lasted about a three second phrase. And then afterwards, he moved straight on and says, oh, yeah, but we, you know, know how to win these games. And the, <laughs> of course he's going to say that they know how to talk to the press but it, La Rochelle I mean come on La Rochelle when when you when you do what you do against Leinster and Dublin you know to conquer Europe two years in a row and you 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 just saw how they managed that match they they managed the game they 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 did absolutely everything right they they they, they were they were 
They were annoying to lose to the point where they were in control. They were really in control. And it was just, uh, you know, it came down to the wire and a little moment of magic. And that's the only thing that really separated them. And otherwise it should have been La Rochelle. And everybody would have said sort of, you know, Bravo, you, you know, you did it. C'est comme ça, c'est parfait, voilà, félicitations. You know, they, they would congratulate and they would say, you you know, you deserve to win us. So, so frustrating to see them not win it, but they'll come back bigger and stronger. They just need to keep very united, you know, going into this next season. It's funny because those final few minutes typically are Ronan O'Garris. You know, it seems like that's almost part of his overarching game plan is like, okay, as long as we're winning, as long as we're close in those last few minutes, we're going to have more fitness. We're going to be more ready for it. The other team's going to fall off, and we're going to take this. And it, it's almost like they they flipped the script on him in this one. It was it was shocking, but you know the drama was through the roof. No, I, I you know I agree with you, but I, I I also know that a final is a final. A final is nothing like a normal season game, as as we know. Um, it's something that can conjure up, you know. Um, absolutely anything. Uh, Roman Tomac played a poor game. That kick that didn't manage to, you know, go out for a line out five meters out that went, you know, given the possession back to La Rochelle was basically for me the pivotal moment where to lose we're going to lose, and they were on the cusp of losing. And 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 Tomac, you know, he played poorly. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't. He, he didn't bring his A game. So, you know, I, I think that. Um, I think that yeah, final you can't you can't you can't write the script of a final, David. It's impossible. And a top top fourteen final, normally you can, but this one for some reason <laughs> you couldn't do it for this one. I think this one's like sort of the scenario was just so yeah. The the intermac thing destiny you, you destiny it was destined. It, like as just a, a viewer, the intermac thing proved to be like a microcosm <clears throat> of why people watch sports in a lot of ways because. You could see everything happening right in his face. He's not a guy who is the, the most expressive on TV, but he made those a couple of big, big mistakes. And you could see him starting to look crestfallen. You could see him starting to be like, oh, no, I don't have it. I don't have it. And then you saw him literally take a breath, kind of did a stretch, kind of straightened up, and he just got himself mentally right. And then presto, that breakaway try to ice it for his team. It was just a, a study in sports psychology writ large on this man's face. And, and, you know, and give him full credit because, you know, he's, he's, he comes from a family that know all about rugby. I mean, you know, his father, you know, seeing Emil and, you know, just, you know, carve up defenses in his heyday. I mean, you know, we know what he's capable of doing. His brother Tio has got himself, you know, a pretty good shot of getting into the, you know, the first team, especially, you know, when, when Six Nations or Autumn Test Matches World Cup time comes around. He's getting himself, you know, a lot of game time as well. It's in their DNA, you know. He, a player like that is capable of that. And I think that Toulouse, you know, unfortunately for a lot of the other teams who are battling and trying to lift that Brennus, you know, shield, they, they, you know, they look at them and go, oh, God, they've got more that are just queuing up, queuing up. They win <laughs> yeah. all kinds of silverware every season in all different age categories. I think they did the treble this year, you know, with the Crabbos, which is the youngsters, and then the... You know, the 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 Espoirs, which is, you know, just the, the feeder up to the pros. 
uh, you know, and, and there's just a non-stop supply of quality professional players. Who, you know, they're, they're cloning in Tamak without actually having to clone him. He's just like got <laughs> like sort of, you know, uh, players who know how to, who want to, who want to replace him and want to fill his, fill his boots as such. So, you know, it's the sign of a championship winning team to lose. They're just, you know, incredible. So, you I want know, you know people. Gotta people, people love to did. people love to debate. Oh, this is the best nine in the world. This is the best ten in the world. But skipping that is the Dupont and Tamac connection at nine and ten. Is that the best nine and ten combo in the world? Ah, that's a good question. Sorry, just gotta. The, the cat's eating the guacamole, David. Can you imagine? This is not good news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that's worse for, you or the cat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have a lot. Um, I, I have a lot on. of cat incidents so, during these interviews. I, I like your uh, your who shirt, by the way, <laughs> that I just caught a glimpse of. Oh, cheers, man! Thank you. Appreciate it. There we go. Um, no, I. Um, Nine ten, the best nine ten in the world. Ooh, that's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, France are the team to beat. Um, you know, this South Africa, New Zealand, England, Australia. I want to say Wales and the USA. You know, other teams that can sort of you know do something. I mean, you know, no, but seriously, you know, I'm, I'm throwing I'm throwing in the Eagles because you know because you know I need to um it's it's independent so you know yeah, we need it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most support um, we've gotten I in the last year well there you go and it's important you know go the eagles come on guys let's sort of you know <laughs> let's soar high in the sky do some do some damage um no i think that um dupont there's no doubt that he is just absolutely exceptional he is the best number nine in the world um roman tamak is when you play a hot and cold game that's not going to win you everything all the time you know okay, when you look fair. at previous tens who who are f fully capable of you know uh of, of, of playing 80 90 percent games then you know you know that you're in a pretty good place but i don't see him i mean you know he doesn't he doesn't look like finn russell when he plays he doesn't produce the magic that finn russell when he plays he doesn't have the um the perfect kicking game of Dan Carter. Um, he doesn't have the defense of Dan Bigger. I mean, you know, we, we could go right through, you know, a, a whole bunch of players, you know, in, in that position. I think the Romantum Act still has work to do to become the best number okay. 10 in the world, but I wouldn't nail him as like sort of, you know, the player to look out for, but he most definitely has it in his DNA. He most definitely is capable of it, but I think his mindset, that try will bring him up to a different level because he's got over himself psychologically and, and 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 managed to get to a place where a lot of players aren't capable of going and that will help him in the future maybe he'll show us what he's capable of doing if france go ahead and win the the rugby world cup on home soil and he plays a pivotal role in their in victorious campaign maybe uh, how old is he now do you know 24 okay i thought 24 25 yeah Oh, that's amazing. Um, Robbie, this has been amazing. You've already stayed longer than I asked you. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Could I get a couple, could I do like a, a lightning round before we finish off today? Throw it, throw it, throw it out there, David, with pleasure. Okay. I've got five for you here. 
Who was the MVP of the top 14 this year? Um, are you asking me personally, or are you actually asking me sort of, you know, what the no, 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 no. Yeah, you, 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 I mean, for for you as a rugby fan, not not uh, not technically, who did the league give the award to? Um, I'd probably say uh, for the player who played the most amount of rugby, who got themselves into a very good place. Um, ooh, yeah, lightning round. You put me on the. Um, I was gonna. <laughs> Uh, this could take quite a long time. Sorry, David, this is bad. Um, I'll, I'll put down, I was going to go for, for Dupont, but he hasn't played so many games. So I'd, I'll say Aldrit. Oh yeah. I like that. That's a good one. Uh, who for you was the best defensive player this year? Um, defensive player this year. Uh, the best defensive player this year. Defensive player. Um, I'm, I'm so I'm not just talking about tackles. I'm talking about lineout steals, um, um, hard drill tackles in a big way. Alexandra Rumat for Toulouse. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. I had, he wasn't even on my little. Maybe he'll say this kind of list. <laughs> that's a great shot. No, but I mean, uh, you know, this is this is this is hot. So I mean, you know, I'm just yeah, it's very it's very much lightning, David. I can tell you that. <laughs> yes. Well, you get ready for the aggregators to you know put this all over the social media after this. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, who for you was the best French qualified player who's not going to make the France World Cup squad? Um. Batty Serran, number nine for Toulon. That's a good one. Do you because think maybe he, next, he, he next might, cycle he he's going to crack the, in there? No, because he's 30, 31, and he's probably going to be too old for the next one. So uh, oh, he's just been exceptional. The trouble is he's playing behind Dupont. And Maxime Lecou has got probably sort of a little bit over him, whereas I'd prefer him to be the number two, but I think that he's going to be number three. But he definitely has the creative um, Marvel comic hero skills that um, that could put him into the second position rather than number one. Um, but look who's just solid and consistent. He does everything right, but he doesn't have the crazy magic that that man Batty Seron has. I love that. Um, which teams are going to be in danger of being relegated next year? Is it going to be the same usual suspects? Uh, yeah, Papignon, I think. Papignon, Papignon, and um, I was going to say, how do we say the name of this team that just got promoted? I've never heard them since I don't watch the Pro Deux. I have never encountered them until I just looked at the, you know, the list for next year. Yeah, Oyana, Oyana. And I, I noticed they're going to be in the Challenge Cup too. Yeah, it looks like so, so thrown right into the fire. Yeah, there. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Challenge Cup. Yeah, but I, that, that's always the case. But I mean, you know, uh, they played in the top Cattles before. They played in the top 14 before. They did um, clamber up, I think, into 2012, something like that. Um, uh, Christoph Orios was the former coach for them. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That 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 playoff game after the season ends, the you might still might get relegated game. Oh, my gosh. That is a, yeah. a brutal affair. 
<laughs> I, yeah. I just didn't know that yeah, the league exactly. worked that way until the, ooh, you do not want to be playing in that game. Every player in that game is sweating. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, final one. As a new convert to the top 14, what should I be most looking forward to for next season? Um, next season, um, you've got the the captain of South Africa who's turning up and playing for Racing, and I think that oh, that's yes. just going to be a standout player who we're going to keep See, our eyes gonna on. He's going to get paid. Uh, Rassing, yeah, big time. And he's part of this new team, and they're going to be extraordinary. Racing are probably going to be the team who are going to be fighting for the title next season because you know, they've got Lancaster who's come in. They've got staff that have changed. They've got new players turning up. Um, they look like the real deal. Who's going to fill in for Finn? Who's going to be their Finn replacement? I've heard various names, Who's but none of them. replacing Finn happen. Russell? Um, there was a rumor Finn, it was going to be Bowden oh, Barrett. French, French guys Bowden Barrett. There was a rumor it was going to be Bowden Barrett, but I know no, he's, he I think he's, no. he's with Toyota or something next year. That's right, yeah. No, they've got French um, fly halves. Enzo Elvey, I think, from... Um, is it Enzo Elvey? No, he's gone into Toulon. Um I'll have to think about that. There you go. You've got me, David. The lightning <laughs> questions have caught me out. I'm 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 dry now. Not there you go, <laughs> Robbie Knock. You are one of a kind and so generous with your time and your insights. Thank you for taking the time to join us here on the Scrum of the Earth. Uh, before you go, anything to plug? What's coming up next for you? When will be we all be able to you know hear your dulcet tones again? And you also mentioned something about breaking news as we started this off. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, we'll hopefully be getting Andrew Mertens to help us with the commentary next season. Oh. Um, so he'll be logically our consultant. So uh, a wonderful player from New Zealand. Uh, the other news is um, watch the opening ceremony for the Rugby World Cup. You might uh, you might you might recognize the face and recognize the voice. That's all I can say. Hey, oh, that's excellent. Oh, that's great news. You must be so excited. A a little bit of acting. There you go. <laughs> oh, excellent. Hey. Oh, wow. I'm not going to ask too much more. I love that. That's like a perfect little tease to make us all as if I'm not chomping at the bit for this World Cup anyway. Oh, my gosh. What's your level of excitement <laughs> getting ready for September here? Oh, big time. Massive. Um, I'll be doing pitch side reporting uh, for the world feed. So uh, you'll get me on some of the a uh, lot of the matches, 16 in total. So I'm super excited. And uh, yeah, I'll... Um, Keep your eye, eyes and ears open. Oh, that's amazing. I can't wait. Uh, I, I guess I feel compelled to ask, can France do it? Is this their year? They're going to take this World Cup? Je crois que oui. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> May we, <oui>, monsieur. <laughs> I, I did pick them like a year ago. I, I thought I was being very progressive, sort of that far out saying France is going to do it. Um, Ireland have been impressing me since then. Um, I think it's dangerous that nobody's talking about New Zealand, but uh, I think France can do it. It's going to be a ton of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Going to love every single second of it. Looking forward to the 8th of September. And it starts off with a bang. France, New Zealand, Stade de France, nighttime game. Oh, my word. Fireworks, plate tectonics, the whole lot. It's going to go off. <laughs> Robbie Knock, thank you so much for joining us here. Enjoy your travels. Cheers, my friend. Talk to you soon and be well. 